0: You're listening to the Coffee and Clergy Podcast. I'm Pastor Scott, and we're glad that you're joining us today. You can watch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Wednesdays at 9.30 a.m. Central. And you can always give us a listen on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Without further ado, grab a cup of joe, find a comfy chair, and enjoy the conversation.
1: Good morning and welcome to King of Kings. Uh, This is Coffee and Clergy. I'm Pastor Doug
0: Schenberg. I'm Pastor Scott Pitch and we're glad to have you back once again with us as we uh, dig into the the, uh, book of Genesis today. We're on the third session and we're on the third chapter so we're moving right along. Um, This is Genesis part one is the the title of this study that we're in where we look at the first 11 chapters of Genesis which which, as Pastor Doug pointed out to me is about half of all of human history. Yes, so So, it's a
1: couple thousand years. Yeah,
0: for couple thousand years, so it's kind of an important uh, time to, to know something about because God is at work a lot and has things to say. Um, we want to uh, take a moment to uh, make sure that you know that there's a couple of different ways you can uh, watch Coffee and Clergy. You can watch it on... YouTube or Facebook, uh, but you can also listen to it later on a podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Um, Just look for Coffee and Clergy. Um, Today's session in particular is one in which we're going to um, ask some directed questions. They're not rhetorical, they're ones that we want to answer. So as we ask some questions today, my encouragement for those who are live with us is to type into the comments section in either Facebook or YouTube. Or if you listen to it later and you have something interesting that you want to bring up, just uh, post it and we'll uh, we'll check it down and, and try to answer it online. But we would love to, in real time, uh, walk through some real-life examples today. So we would encourage people to participate um, in addition to listening today. So I invite you to pull out your Bible, grab a yeah. cup of coffee, make yourself at home wherever you are and uh enjoy a
1: good discussion about Genesis today. So yeah, yeah again we find in Genesis, we find all of the first, the mm-hmm. first of creation, the first of of God bringing uh man and wife together in marriage. Right. And today we're going to talk about the first fall into sin right. and and. uh the ramifications that followed.
0: Yeah, finally we're into some familiar territory, right? It's yeah, like, so yeah. far we've been talking about this this paradise where we can only begin to conceptualize what it even looks like. And now we're into, oh yeah, I know, I know that sensation. I know that urge, that temptation uh, to do to do that stuff. So um yeah. should we open in prayer before we begin today? So please. please join me in prayer. Lord God, I thank you for this day. We thank you for the Uh, manifold blessings that you shower upon us. And we thank you especially today for the gift of your word as we dig into the book of Genesis and the revelation of your uh, design and also the revelation of your plan for salvation. Uh, We give thanks to you, O God, for uh, the abundant blessing of your word that it can come to us, that the Holy Spirit can use it to create in us a seed and grow that seed of faith. I pray, O God, for each person who is joining us today that they would come to know the saving faith of Jesus and the plan of God's salvation for them, that they would hear that message today as we consider uh, the sinfulness that we all are heirs to, and the plan of salvation which God put into place through his Son, which was foretold from the very beginning uh, when man first fell into sin, and so we give thanks to you, O God. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. And uh, so we're in we're again in Genesis chapter three, and uh, again we're going to read through the the entire chapter. We'll break it up uh, the first thirteen verses, and then uh, verses fourteen to twenty four. Yeah. And I'll do, take the first. part. Do you want to take the first part? Sure. Okay.
0: Yeah. So this title of this section is called the Fall of Man. The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate.
1: And so the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals, and you will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return." So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And so uh, we find human beings are changed forever because of uh, what took place here. Yeah, it's just a big oof. yeah oh it just takes
0: all the wind out of your sails yeah there have
1: been times in my life where i thought you know you know would i have done that if i would have been in their place and and one of the things that i i guess that i've come to realize is that if if i were somebody else and i had the exact same experience that they had i probably would have done exactly the same thing that they would have done
0: that's actually a really good perspective that we should hold for a lot of people that creates in us a compassion and mercy for them you know if it's we look at some people who have um, you know, difficult lives, or seemingly have difficulties from their life. Do we actually put ourselves in their shoes before we start to cast judgment? But um, yeah, it's we we kind of all find ourselves in this uh, the same shoes as Adam because we do what Adam did every single day. I mean, we yeah. we have the ch- the same decision or the same ability to to reject sin and we don't do it on a daily basis. So why do we think we'd be better than he was, you know, or than Eve was? And
1: a a part of our sinful nature is we like to compare ourselves with other people and oftentimes we compare our strengths to their weaknesses and um, uh, we like to appear good and that too is a part of our our prideful, sinful nature. And you can kind of see the...
0: Um, the the dual narrative of this. We kind of split it right along the, the fault line here. The verses 1 to 13 are are the narrative of the fall, the kind of recounting of the events that occurred. And then 14 to 24 is the curse. The You see that it might be in your Bible that you have quotes around those, or it might be um, indented in a particular way. Well, it's poetic language. And um, in the Hebrew it's kind of special language but it's not a good kind of poetry it's a it's a bad one it's curse language and so yeah. um, but it's but once again as we mentioned last week if you haven't heard last week's podcast I would encourage you to um, to make sure to um, get caught up on those but we talked about last week how God chooses to um, to issue the curse based on the uh, the the Roles that he had given Adam, Eve, and creation um, when he first made them. So um, the man will toil in his labors. The woman will will um, will suffer. become will suffer through through uh, childbearing, but also will the relationship between she and her um, husband, that helpmate relationship, will be destroyed because she will desire for. The position of headship, and he will um, reject that, and still
1: have headship over her, and so it destroys that relationship. Yeah. Um, we al- we also find a little bit sprinkled throughout this uh, ch- this chapter, this third chapter of Genesis, uh, we find some uh, gospel messages yeah. uh, that God gives, and we're going to talk about that as well. Yeah,
0: and and that's the wonderful thing about this is it can it can quickly go from the bright shining paradise to utter dismay and and Horrid sin, right? And and that's kind of depressing. But you you realize that even in the darkest chapter in the entirety of the Bible, Genesis chapter three, God still God's light still breaks through that darkness. Yeah. His goodness breaks through this evil, and
1: we'll like he said, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, and He shows his love to Adam and Eve. But it's it's interesting yeah. when uh when the serpent first came to Eve, uh, there in the garden, mm-hmm. um, Eve as she was talking both. Added words to what God had said, and she also took away from some of the words that God had said. And um, I guess a, a question that we can talk about is that: Do people still do that today?
0: Yeah. So let's look at exactly what we're referring to, right? If we look at uh, um, Genesis chapter two, um, God's when He creates the uh, the garden and puts man and woman into it, He says. In verse uh, 16, the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And in Genesis 3, um, the, the devil comes in verse 1 and says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman replies, you may eat of, uh, God said, you may eat fruit from the tree of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So she does add the phrase, "and you must not touch it" yeah. as well. So in addition to what God actually said, she compounds um, the tr- the trouble by adding on to that. Um, so do God
1: do people today still add and subtract from the Word of God? Uh, absolutely, uh, yeah. yeah absolutely. We see it all the time, and and sometimes we um, we do that because we try to minimize our sin. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not that bad, yeah. you know. It's you know, or everybody does it, mm-hmm. um, or we try and make ourselves look um, better than we are to someone else. And you know, I really took an extra effort and went out and 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 did this and. Um, you know, God tells us to love our neighbor, and and uh, we begin to point out all of the things that we did and yeah. um, how how good we are.
0: Yeah, I mean, you see this uh, you see this all the time. People will say, "Well, doesn't the Bible say not to judge people?" Well, I mean, actually, the Bible says by the same measure that you judge people, you will be judged. It Doesn't say not to call out wickedness. It's as a matter of fact, it says it says we should call out wickedness. Um, but doesn't the Bible say, you know, you shouldn't eat shellfish or whatever? You're obviously, you guys don't read your own Bible because you don't know what it says. Well, that's one of the things we, you need to take into account is context, too, right? Whenever we read the Bible, we need to read it in context. One of my favorite misuses is when people use um, the Romans passage, I can do all things through Christ who gives me, or no, that's Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or uh, the Romans eight. 28 One was the uh, um, God will use everything for good for the glory of or for the um, benefit of those who love him and heed his commands or whatever. So it's they've completely taken the verses out of context, they've completely used them the wrong way um, to justify their action. One of my favorite ones is being an athlete myself. I saw numerous guys in my, my career had Philippians 4.13 written on their like wrist tape or on the little eye black things or on their socks or something. And it's like, I can win any football game through Christ who strengthens me. And it's like, that's not what Paul was talking about <laughs> at all. I mean, it's it's not saying I can I can secure you know the best stock options or I can have success in my workplace or in my marriage through Christ who strengthens. It's bigger than that. It's
1: a it's a very shallow perspective to have. Yeah. And the so. the success that God wants us to have is a a life with Him yeah. and um, um, an opportunity to serve those around us and the love that He gives us and. And we find that that kind of success uh, brings joy and delight into our life and, um, and usually accomplishes something significant as well. Yeah. And, um, and that's all done for, uh, for God's glory and his purposes. And um, uh, It's a joy to be able to celebrate that and, and see what God does in and through us because every, every ability that we have is a gift that he's given us. And, yeah. and so we thank him for that. Good number three there. Yeah. So what's the what is the nature in these passages of
0: Eve's sin? So what's like behind it? What is its motivation? What's the result of it? That kind of stuff.
1: Okay. It's interesting. Um, Satan's words. Uh, he he's, he talks about the food. He says it's it's the the fruit of that tree. It's it's good for food. It's pleasing to the eye. It'll make us wise. Uh, there's another place in Scripture in in First uh, John chapter two that talks about uh, the sins that we struggle with. Uh, are those, as we talk about, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And um, um, those are kind of the same temptations that Satan used not only with Eve, but with Jesus as, as he tempted Jesus uh, in the wilderness. And um, so those, those are kind of a big umbrella of the, the sins that we face. Um, uh, we think something is good for us, good for our body, and so uh, we do it. Yeah. Um, uh, we we think something looks good, uh, and we want it. Yeah. Um, this
0: is why one of the things I like to do whenever we in confirmation class talk about the ninth and tenth commandment, it seems kind of lackluster at the end of all these list of commandments. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't you know? Don't dis, Don't. Use witness. God's yeah. you know, name or bear false witness. And so at the end, you don't covet, and it just seems kind of blah. But the point of that is the very first sin ever committed was covetousness. And the one that threw humanity itself into utter despair was covetousness. Mm-hmm. And you've looked at the fruit. That's why you kind of ask, what was the first sin? A lot of people will say, oh, it's when they ate the fruit. And it's like, technically, sort of, but that's the end result of the actual sin, the actual sin was covetousness that when Eve first looked at that fruit and saw that it was good for wisdom and made the decision in her heart to reach out and eat it Mm -hmm. before she even touched it or ate it,
1: she had sinned in her heart. And so she could be like God. It was that desire. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and we, we still struggle with those desires today. Um, we want to be like God. We want to be better than someone else. Uh, Um, and sin is alive and well in our lives. It's, mm-hmm. um, we struggle with it throughout our life. And, um, um, and so kind of what, what led up to that sin? Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a couple of things that were going on. Um, uh, so what led up to that sin? Well, she meets up with the serpent, right? And okay. the serpent
0: is an interesting character. He's not mentioned before. Um, chapter 3 kind of introduces him as the craftiest of any of the wild animals. And we don't have, uh, you know, the name Satan or the devil or the evil one or accuser or anything that's being used here. We simply have the name the serpent, right? And we don't come to realize definitively, I think you can draw conclusions from this, but we don't come to know definitively until the very end of the Bible that the serpent is Satan. That's what Revelation points us to, is to know that the serpent is uh, the devil. And so... Um, we see in Genesis that this serpent is Satan incarnate working in the midst of Adam and Eve, trying to get them to fall away from
1: yeah, God. Yeah, throughout, throughout scriptures, there's um, uh, descriptive words of Satan. He's uh, a liar and the father of lies, and yeah. we see he, he lies here in the text. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he deceives people. He deceived Eve. Um um, and then he probably had a lot of enjoyment accusing her afterwards another name that's given to Satan he's the the accuser yeah and you see the parallels I think uh,
0: between this passage and Jesus's temptation in the in the New Testament right when Jesus is being tempted by the devil it's sort of the same sort of means by which the devil tries to get Jesus to fall into sin right he he throws a little bit of Um, shade of uncertainty over God's word, right? So the devil comes in 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 the form of a serpent and says to Eve, did God really say that you must not eat? And that's what he does for Jesus, too. He kind of um, takes God's word, and and it, it is God's word. He quotes the Bible, and once again, he's using it out of context, which is what we talked about earlier. But he tries to get Jesus to... Um, utilize his powers to create bread. He tries to um, get Jesus to try and trust fall for God. You know, mm-hmm. jump off the temple, and he tries to create persuade, a little doubt. Yeah, he tries to create a little doubt as to what he uses the Bible to yeah. say. Oh, God's got you. Don't worry. He, he'll catch mm-hmm. you before you hit your foot on a stone. And, and he tries to um, showcase for Jesus the power that he has, and says, "All this is going to be yours if you bow down and worship me." So he tries to um, utilize that and cast a little bit of doubt in Jesus's mind. And it, that's what worked on Eve. I mean, he sticks yeah. with what works. That's what works on us. Yeah. <laughs> he takes that, which is good and comes from God. And he just twists it a little bit and just distorts it slightly. And then we take it the rest of the way and blow mm-hmm. it completely out of proportion. So,
1: and while, while Eve was created good, mm-hmm. she does have a choice Yep. and she can choose to follow God. She can choose to, to follow Satan. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, it's actually one of the blessings that God has given us when he created us is that he created us to have a choice. He didn't create us as uh, robots mm-hmm. that we have to do certain things. We don't, we don't have to follow him. Um, uh, but in many of the choices we make, we choose not to follow him. Yeah. And, and that's sin. And you might even go back, going back to ch- uh, Genesis 1, you might say that
0: that is an aspect about being created in the image of God. No other part of creation has the ability to... To choose the good or the, the evil, everything else is designed and operates in in the way God created it to operate. Yeah. Well, at least it did until sin came and corrupted everything.
1: So, yeah, and yeah. so that was that was Eve's sin. Okay, what about what about Adam's sin? What so, did what did he do wrong? What happened with um, uh, with him there in the garden?
0: Adam is suspiciously absent, it seems, from the story, which is just exactly what the problem is. That Eve is the one having a conversation with the serpent. Eve is the one who's individually and singularly contemplating the moral ramifications of eating of the fruit. And Adam is nowhere to be seen until we get down to... What verse was it? Verse 7. Uh, or sorry, sorry, six, where it says she gave some to her husband, and then kind of almost parenthetically here it says, who was with her, and he ate it. And so we kind of say, where's Adam during all this? And he is just silently and passively standing by and allowing all of this to occur without stepping up. So you could say, well, what was Adam's first sin, right? If Eve's first sin wasn't eating the fruit, but in fact it was... um, Covetousness. What was Adam's first sin?
1: And that would have been that uh he turned that that charge that God had given him of of being the, the head of the family and mm-hmm. household. Um he had stepped back from that yeah. and he let Eve make this decision.
0: Yeah, he not just yeah, like And he didn't say anything. And when, when God curses um curses Adam to the man, uh he says uh because you listen to your wife that's the first charge that God has against him and then that's always kind of a tongue-in-cheek joke is well I guess husbands should never listen to their wives you know it's obviously bad God doesn't like when husbands <laughs> listen to their wives that's not it at all instead what it's saying is because you you deflected the the Re- role of headship that I, I gave to you because you rejected the responsibility that I put you in charge of and you um, and you yourself ate so it's it's a twofold thing because you failed in, and you sinned in your in your lack of, of spiritual leadership and because you ate cursed is the ground dot dot dot. So um, that's the nature of Adam's sin is, is passiveness and and we see that today. I mean when you look at the world around us, how much pain, how much suffering, how much sin is is perpetuated in this world because of passive men who don't step into the roles that God has called them to step into. It's one of the biggest concerns, I think, and I think a yeah. lot of people might agree, um, even though it's not politically correct to say that uh, a lot of struggles in this world um, come from men not being strong men, not yeah. being the, the, the men
1: that God designed them to be. And, and they may have never been taught that uh-huh. from their father. And, and I think of the passage that, uh, um, you know, things go from generation to generation um, sin follows us, and um, God is always ready to step in to, to teach us and to correct us uh, uh, with His Word and Spirit, and um, uh, again, it's um, um, a struggle that, that, uh, that anyone can have. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, we talked about the sin of Adam and Eve, and, um, and then we hear about the results and um, and so what were the results of the sin yeah. that they committed? Well, for, for
0: Eve, uh, God essentially says, because you ate of the fruit, now um, your fruitfulness, if you want to use that kind of language, your fruitfulness will be uh, brought about through struggle, through hardship. Through um, the, I like the King James Version. The old King James says, um, through sorrow will you produce childbearing? So I have this impression in my mind that God, um, when God had a plan in place for for being fruitful and multiplying in the in paradise, that it was a pure, it was a purely joy filled thing. It was everything about it was a wonderful experience. Now you would say for a lot of people today, it's a wonderful experience to have a child, but beca- but it's tainted because of the the pain and, the, and the, the hardship and the long nights and the crying and the this and the that. So the, everything wonderful, it's once again, you can kind of feel in the back of your mind that it's meant to be perfect. It's meant to be the most wonderful thing. It's meant to be awesome, but something about it has been distorted.
1: Something about it has been corrupted, and it's, that's the results yeah. of sin. Yeah, uh, and uh, one of the first things, I mean, even with... Um, uh, maybe going down a little bit different path, mm-hmm. uh, one of the first things that God said is, the day that you'll eat of it, you will die. Mm-hmm. Um, and so death was another result of of Adam and Eve's sin. Yeah. We didn't see them die physically, but death entered into the world. Yeah. And um, um, because they, God wouldn't allow them to eat from the tree of, of life, um, their life would come to an end, and and one of the things that that God said to to Adam again, because uh, dust you are, to dust you will return. Yeah, and so he would return to the ground from which God first created him.
0: And you kind of see that the phys- the the prevention of of uh, of physical um, life forever. Excuse me. Is sort of uh, an a-, a bit of an afterthought for God, right? He says, kind of after all this is handed down, oh, we need to close off the garden so we can't get to the tree and live forever. But the the actual death that he's most primarily concerned with is that eternal death, that death of the the aspect of the of the breath of life which he poured into Adam. Now it will cease. It will be dead. And so that's the death God is concerned about is eternal death, right? Yeah. This death of the spirit, death of the soul. And um, that's the death which Jesus paid to eradicate. Yeah. So death no longer has mastery over him. We, we look around us and we see, well, I just put my grandpa on the ground last year. So how is it that death no longer has mastery in this world? Well, it's the now and not yet thing, right? Then the death which was paid for on the cross is is the first fruits is the death which is for our soul, the eternal death. It's gone for us who are in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus, and then on the last day when
1: we're raised again bodily, then all death will be eradicated. There will yeah. be no more at all. So, yeah. uh, another way to talk about death is separation, and already we see that there is a, a separation yeah. between Adam and Adam and Eve and God, and between Adam and Eve themselves, yeah. and between Adam and the rest of creation. Yeah. Uh, that separation has already. Um, uh, put a divide in, uh, into all of those relationships. And so uh, that part of death um, came about instantaneously. Yeah. As they, we find they hid from God, they tried to separate themselves from God. And, um, and uh, that's, that's all a part of that death that God had promised. So with, with Eve, there was pain and childbearing. There was that desire to, uh, to rule over her husband. Um, but what about with uh, what were some of the results um, because of Adam's sin?
0: Well, it says uh, in addition to death, <laughs> but it also says Christ is the ground because of you. So um, it, it specifically mentions the ground because the, the primary labor would have been producing food from the ground. Um, However, what we see here is it's not simply just the ground that's cursed. It's all of his labors that are cursed, right? So we know that one of the the central design uh, specifications, if you will, for Adam is that he is to be a productive person. He is to be a steward. He is to utilize God's resources and gifts in the world to create something good. And now what that role, which used to be a blessed and perfect role, where it was a wonderful opportunity to, to use our skills and abilities to the glory of God to create things that are good, now it's hard, painful, toiling, um, difficult, and will be for all of the days of our life until our life ends.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, <clears throat> it talks about thorns and thistles, and it reminds yeah. me of a story when... Um, When our family moved to Kearney, Nebraska, Mm -hmm. um, we were looking for a home, and uh, the home that we actually bought, we were there, uh, we were looking around the front yard, uh, and it was um, um, uh, a little subdivision that was actually outside of town, and as we were walking through the yard, our daughter Christine was kind of running around the yard, and uh, right up close to the road, there was a little uh, a little ditch where the, the the rain, as it rained, would run off, and and there was a kind of a little drainage path that the that the water would go down. <clears throat> but anyway, as she was running through the yard, she started running down this hill, and <clears throat> because of the steepness, she ended up falling, and she put her hands out in front of her, and all of a sudden she got up, and her eyes got really big, and her hands were covered with uh, cockleburs oh. and thistles. And thorns, oh, and no. she just burst into tears. And yeah. so we were pulling all these out, and uh, we came to realize that uh, um, in our, you know, within our yard there were uh, um, all of these thorns and thistles. Mm-hmm. And um, but it it always reminds me of that passage. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the other thing too is they're stubborn. You can't just go and you know lightly spray some stuff on them and they'll be yeah. gone tomorrow. They stick around. Yes, you yeah. can kill everything else in your yard first before you kill the thistles and the thorns and the and yeah. things like that. So, um, you you get uh, you get a sense of how difficult life will now be for both Adam and Eve. The things which used to bring the greatest joy and fulfillment, that used to show the purpose of of existence, are now cursed because of Adam and Eve's fall into sin, yeah. and our daily fall into sin. That's the thing we need to remember too: is this is not just a condemnation or curse which is for these two people; it's for all of their descendants. But we also see God's plan to to save the descendants of Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve themselves, so
1: yeah, uh, another question that kind of loops us back around a little bit is is why might Eve have added words added the words, "I'm not to touch the forbidden fruit um, one why?
0: of the one of the things I have uh heard before and I don't know if this is the direction that we're kind of going one of the things I've heard before is. When God issued the command not to eat, it's actually before Eve is, is created. Um, he issues that command to Adam. And so God probably didn't issue the same command to, to Eve. He probably um, gave it to Adam, and then Adam probably gave it to Eve. And so it's one of these <clears throat> sort of things when we tell, um, you know, when when we uh, have a, a law or something in <clears throat> in society and, you know, let's use um, speed limits or something like that, then we might say, uh, you know, the, it's probably okay out there if you actually go 10 miles over the speed limit in certain areas. You're probably not going to get pulled over. Nothing bad's going to happen. But a parent might tell their kids, you don't go one single mile over 45 on that road because that's the the rule and you do that. And so it's sort of that um, tightening effect of, of the law um that adam probably told eve yeah. you see that and that's so bad we're just going to stay away from we're it we're not even going to touch, touch it we're not even going to touch
1: it Yeah. and so and that became the yeah. that's it's not that's not how, necessarily biblical it yeah, doesn't say that's that how i imagine yeah. it but uh again yeah. uh, as you said it's not biblical but yeah. that could have easily been a, a conversation that they had mm-hmm. and um and so in in uh what ways have people seen the curse uh Carried out maybe in their own life, uh, the curse of sin. Curse has not only affected Adam and Eve, but it's uh, affected everyone since then. Yep. And um, and so, how has that curse been carried out? Um, well, when you just
0: again. when you just go through, I mean, you see um, the the biggest one is in verse fifteen: enmity um, between the offspring of woman, meaning mankind, and between well, on the one hand, it's creation. Uh, so we have got the destruction of the relationship between man and creation. But we also see that obviously we are at odds. We are adversaries with the devil and his minions as well. But then we see the the promise of uh, the the um, the offspring of uh, Eve being the one who will crush the serpent's head. Then we see. Uh, the concern of childbearing and being fruitful and multiplying becoming difficult and so um we we see that obviously at work today too we have um i would say obviously childbearing but also child rearing and you also see pain and hardship with people who can't have children so the whole the whole process of of bringing new people into the world, while it's a good process and it's a joyful one, it's absolutely surrounded by hardship, pain, people who are broken, people whose lives feel empty, and, um, and it's, and it's a difficult process to raise children. It's one of the hardest, you'll hear parents say it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. They often follow that by saying, but it's also one of the best. So, um, But it's true. It's difficult. Then you see um, the relationship between man and woman destroyed. We've talked about this a little bit already when we talked about the role of uh, man and woman last week. But um, you see this relationship is today still strained, right? We have... we have what we consider traditional gender roles. Just even that phrase, traditional gender roles, is yeah. politically heated today. But we see that certainly the the traditional roles, even you could say the biblical roles of man and woman, are under attack because um, society has deemed them to be archaic and no longer useful. Where we would say, but God designed us that way, and so to go against God's design is is neither good nor right. Uh, nor helpful or beneficial for us. Um moving on, you see cursed is the ground. We still see that all of the 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 things which we merit in this life today come from difficult labor. Perhaps we no longer work fifteen hour days in the fields simply to get food out of the ground. And that's a blessing from God. But we do see um even in first, you know the first world today, people still struggle from from depression and still struggle from um, you know exhaustion due to overwork and things like that. And so, uh, we still see people in the third world countries struggling to get food. You know, so the world is still full uh, of this curse. Um, and then the last one is we we are dust to dust we shall return. That obviously is still prevalent today, and we see uh, the struggle and the hardship in people's eyes and their voice and in their
1: embraces when they lose someone close to them. And until the last day, that will be true. So we, we have broken relationships. We have pain, sorrow, suffering. We have pandemics. Mm. We can, we look around at the COVID-19 virus. And, um, that's, that's one of the results of sin, part of the curse, uh, that was brought into the world. We, uh, we look at the political unrest, um, that goes on around us, even in our own country. And, and, um, uh, that too is a part of the uh, the sinfulness wreaking havoc in, in the lives of people and and uh, um, and again from that comes suffering and hardship and uh, discord and and um, uh, all kinds of um, uh Suffering again—that that, that people go through and endure because of the sinfulness of human beings—and mm-hmm. um, it's it's alive and well today. Yep. Uh, it's all around us, and um, uh, but uh, you're—I would fully agree with you as, as as far as when that happens within the family and, and within between children and parents, um, uh, or in a, you know we look at the we look at um, uh, the divorce rate in, in our yep. in our country. Um, and that's some of the most, uh, severe suffering that people go through when the person that they love the most, um, uh, they're no longer in love. That relationship has been torn apart or a child that's, uh, uh, a part of the family, uh, does something that, um, um, causes pain and suffering and sorrow to the family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think of, uh, uh, drug and alcohol abuse, mm-hmm. uh, Brings great pain and sorrow uh, into the lives of people, and and that's very much alive today. Yep. And um, and so um, um, so how uh, are there ways that you've witnessed um, um, maybe some of this suffering and sin. Uh, kind of a personal question in your own life we can ask our audience yeah, that listens. This will be the time
0: where you can get to a keyboard and if you have a good answer you can type it in and we'll uh, we'll talk through it. If yeah. you have any questions too but you it, can ask for Yeah us.
1: I, but I think as as pastors I've there have been a lot of you know premarriage counseling that I've done and and it's been a, a joy to be a part of those relationships when mm-hmm. a, a man and woman come together and uh and then I find out um um years down the road that the couple broke up because they could no longer communicate with each other they um, uh, finances got into the way or um, something else happened in their life and their their life just drifted apart and they found out that they didn't have anything common mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, uh, those are uh, uh, I see that it's it's a part of my life and you know I, I could tell a story of a, a young couple that got married and and um, and right after the marriage, um, uh, the wife found out that her husband had deceived her. Um, he had said that he had a job, and he really didn't. Um, the money that they had, he had gone out and he gambled. And uh, so from almost from the time right after the, the wedding date, um, things went downhill quickly and, and ended in divorce. And it was um, a great hardship um, um The the gal was a member of the church that I was a part of, and it was a great hardship for that whole family uh, to see that suffering take place.
0: When I was on Vicarage, um, there was one like that where um, a couple got married. They had had, uh, conceived a child out of wedlock, and she was probably six months pregnant or something when they got married, and it was right before I got there on Vicarage. But then the kid was born, and within, I think, three months, the husband snapped and killed the kid. Mm. Absolute, just a devastating thing for the community in our church, for her family, for his family. Um, It was one of the hardest things I've ever observed, and I was a complete outsider to it coming in, and I just can only imagine how difficult it is. And you see the effects of sin, they strike the hardest in... The things that bring us the most joy, right? When we think of family, when we think of the the pr- the production of our our work and our efforts, when we think of the joy of, that the creation around us can bring us, that's what the devil uses to hit us the hardest. And um, that's that was a hard one. That was a hard one for
1: for all involved. So, yeah. yeah. And, and so we, sin is very much alive and active all around us, and, and it continues to bring great pain. Um, sometimes it's because of the selfishness. Um, so it happens in marriage. It happen, can happen in the workplace um, mm-hmm. as there is a struggle of power. It uh, can happen in the workplace if people uh, don't communicate well with each other or, um, um, uh, or there's greed or selfishness that goes along with, um, uh, with the activities that take place. Um, and it, it can become very difficult in life. Yeah, yeah. we have a question from the uh, from a viewer, so okay. I think it's a, a pretty
0: good one. Um, it's worth spending some time on. Um, so the question is: God knows all, so He had to know that the fall would happen, right? And yet He still went through with creation and and allowing free will. So this person thinks that um, that that speaks to God's love for us because it also shows His plan
1: for redemption. So what do we have to say about yeah. that? Um, I would agree that it speaks to god 's love. God knew that there was a chance that things might not go right, um, and yet love by its very nature um, is something that can only be freely given yeah. and if it's if it 's not freely given it 's really not love it 's something that we have to do yeah. and uh, god um, yeah, it, it it demonstrates uh, god 's love for good relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we you know uh, we look at the Trinity, and there was perfect harmony uh, between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, he wanted to share that that joy and harmony uh, with human beings, a part of his creation. And so, as he created us, he gave us that um, uh, that opportunity to make decisions. Yep. Um, one of the biggest ones is, the um, as God comes to us and creates faith in us, um, are we still going to to live in that that relationship that God has called us in, or are we going to live for ourselves? Yeah. And um, um, but uh, we could
0: talk about we could do a whole thing on free will
1: too. Yes, so that's a, yeah,
0: that's a hard question. I mean, it's a big one. Free will is is complex and deep, and it has a lot of. Uh, implications for what we do in terms of how we relate with God. So the one thing we can say is God does know all things. God is all-powerful, and yet God did create all things. So I think you're, you're on the right track here in saying that is an act of God's grace, that even though he knew that there was every possibility this could all come crashing down, he stepped in and well, after it happened, to redeem it. But even before that, he created out of the goodness and love of his heart.
1: Yeah. So. And, and to again, it reflects God's God's heart that he had a plan in place the moment after Adam and Eve sinned. Yep. Um, he knew what was going to happen. He knew what the cost would be, that it would be a great cost to redeem us, that is, to buy us back and to make us his own. Um, and God was willing to do that to demonstrate his love for us. Yeah.
0: Good question. so thank you yeah. for writing that in for us. We appreciate it.
1: Um, uh, another <clears throat> question is have have you ever tried to debate with someone who doubted the Word of God and what was the result? Um, uh, we as people of God, we love to talk about God and his word and um, and yet there are some that um, as Eve did, they put their own uh, thoughts into God's word, and um, and that doesn't always turn out the best way. Yeah,
0: I used to be in my younger and more fiery days, <laughs> more uh, more involved in the in the debate of of theology, and, and I used to enjoy having conversations with people who had different viewpoints than than I did about the faith, and uh, whether that be um, other Christians who had different you know, perspectives of doctrine, or whether that be people who weren't Christians. I've found that using the word debate right from the very beginning creates a, a void that you'll never cross, right? I, I prefer the, the Usually idea with
1: of, a debate, one person wins yeah. and another person loses, yeah. and so that's not really what we want to do yeah. as people of God.
0: I, I prefer the idea of conversation, um, where the, the intent is that through a conversation, both parties will grow in some way towards the other party. So that doesn't mean that I'm compromising my, my belief or my faith in Christ. But what it does mean is by having conversations with people who don't believe what I believe, it helps me to empathize more with them, help them to help me to understand their perspective so that my, I won't say arguments because that's the wrong thing too, but my point, my talking points might be more in line with something that will relate to them. And so I've kind of tried to move more towards that frame of mind, um, rather than than seeking debate uh,
1: with people. So I've I've found the same to be true, Mm -hmm. and I I I like when honest questions are asked, Mm. uh, and and people seek um, seek the answers rather than again a debate. Yeah. Um, I like it when uh, not only when those conversations can take place, but uh, when when people are open to learning. Uh, help me to understand and and um, uh, sometimes we uh, Christians can come across as preaching or preachy to others and 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 that's where I think uh, a simple proclamation of you know this is what I believe and why I believe it to be true um, I think that works much better than to be uh, to be preachy at people Mm -hmm. Um, and and God wants us to proclaim his word his truth um, hopefully with the desire um, and understanding that the Holy Spirit is working um, uh, in our life and in the lives of the other people that we talk with. And, um, and ultimately, we trust the Holy Spirit to work um, to bring them to faith, to keep them in faith, uh, to continue those questions to be asked and, and honest answers to be sought out and um i think uh, uh, the result of that is is a blessing when when we can have those kind of conversations yeah and um
0: i uh, would i would also contend that those are the types of conversations that have the most effect in transforming people because you're in having conversations like that you're also developing the relationship with that person and that's the best and clearest and most straight way to a trans to developing a transformation
1: uh, in faith. The Holy Spirit works through those conversations. Yeah. Helps us to understand them and, and have and helps that honest conversation to continue. And uh, so here's a here's another personal question. Uh, have you ever deliberately chosen to sin uh, even though that you knew it was wrong? And um I, I would imagine that most everybody would say yes. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a specific example from this morning. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. To, to some degree or another, you
0: know, it's like, what do you say? I, I specifically chose this morning to, uh, you know, to snitch an extra candy bar or something. I, I, You know, something along those lines. We do that fairly regularly. Now, if you if you do what most people do and say, have you ever deliberately chosen to sin, meaning have you ever deliberately um, mm-hmm. tried to sm- you know, uh, swindle somebody or have you ever deliberately lied to somebody, people would be a little bit less likely to, to say openly or admit to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but there are times we, again, we, de- we, we deceive people to yeah. make ourselves look good. The deflection mechanism yeah. that's within all of us is we try to say, the
0: the the best response that we can sometimes do when people point out our sin is to simply say well at least my sin is not as bad as joe's sin have you seen him yeah. man he's horrible and that's not not a thing that we should be thinking yeah. that's that that tendency to deflect we actually see uh in genesis right when god says where are you yeah. adam deflects well, right well, he goes yeah, well, to his eve the woman you put here yeah, with me she yeah. And then the woman is a quick learner, right? Yeah, yeah. Eve learns really quick and says, ah, oh, I see what yeah. you did there, Adam. Yeah. And so he says, the serpent it deceived me, Deceived me, right? Yeah. And so we see this deflection mechanism. It's very much a part of how we have re- learned to respond
1: to accusation due to sin. Yeah, and, and we, we try to cover up our sin. Yeah. Uh, we try to, um, uh, as you said, deflect it. There's a, a great story when I was at the seminary One of the assignments that the professors gave the students was to write down personal um, illustrations in use of their um, to uh, encourage them to put it in their sermons, and uh, this was a a story that I heard uh, written by someone else, um, where uh, he and a friend were out driving around one night and they they uh, they saw one of these yellow flashing warning lights. Uh, And they thought it would be cool to have that for themselves and so they took off the light and they put it in the car but um, uh, what they realized is that it continued to flash in their car and uh, they they tried to take it apart and they realized the construction was such that it was very difficult. You had to almost destroy it to, to get to the battery inside. And it continued to flash and it, it reminded them of their sin. It reminded them of what they did. And finally they took it back because they were so embarrassed. Um uh but I, I always remember that story. Sin sin is like that. It um it it comes back and it it causes us to worry, it causes us to fear, it um uh, makes us anxious uh that someone else will find out and it's it's like that flashing yellow light um that uh, uh is is constantly there, and we can't get rid of it until we confess it and get rid of it. Yeah, and the thing is, too, that's only half of
0: our sins, those sins that we choose to do. We talk about when we confess our sins, we confess sins of commission, sins that we uh, choose to do and we do anyways, knowing that they're wrong. But we also have sins of omission, where even without our knowing, we, we sin because it's part of our nature. And so,
1: yeah. yeah. Hmm. We're we're getting close to the end of our hour. I was, but I one of the things I really want to cover is uh, where do we find the gospel mm-hmm. um, uh, in this text? And and actually, it's kind of sprinkled um, as we talked about earlier. It's kind of sprinkled throughout the text. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, first of all, the very fact that God came looking for Adam and Eve. Yep. Uh, was an example of his love and his mercy for them.
0: You get the initial impression when you read it the first time that God might be oblivious to the fact that they sinned, but we know that's not the case. And so just the simple fact of him, you know, casually strolling through the garden in the cool of the day and calling for Adam shows that God is extending an olive branch of sorts to Adam. And then when he calls him and says, uh, gives him a chance to explain, he's extending another one. He keeps extending these olive branches and, Adam keeps batting them away. He doesn't want them because he knows there's that there's something that sin, guilt within him is is too great. And so yeah. um, we'll uh, see we see God's love that way. We see
1: another example when uh, when the curses are given mm-hmm. and God talks about um, even with Satan, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. And then he went on to say, he will crush your head. That is the, the descendants of the woman mm-hmm. will crush the head of Satan and you will strike his heel. And so that's that's one of the first clear gospel um, proclamations that, that comes from God as he um, uh, gives us a picture of what's going to happen with Christ when he comes into the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even within the curses themselves, I think it's kind of a, an amazing thing that uh, that. Even within the curses, the curse of the livestock, he gives the the promise of a savior. Within the curse to, to Eve, even though he he makes what she's doing, uh, difficult, we see there's still joy in bearing children, and even within the the hardship of a man's labor, there's still joy to be found in a job well done, and even in the, um, the, uh, you know, the sweat of our working the sweat of our brow, there's joy to be found in being fruitful, and, um. So even within the curse, God's goodness can't help but shine through. It's, it's peering through kind of like one of those old school, uh, like when you would put a, uh, a blanket over top of you and poke holes in it so that the light could shine through, uh, like to make it a starscape or whatever. It's like that. Um, so you can see the light streaming down through
1: this dark cloud overhead. Um, even in the curse. Yeah, we we see um we see God's love coming through as uh, Adam and Eve tried to hide themselves with the fig leaves, those weren't going to last, but uh but God actually uh covers them with a, a garment of skin. Uh already we find uh, the shedding of blood takes mm-hmm. place as God covers their sin, another picture of what's going to happen with uh with our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh, also another, uh, another gospel event is the very fact that now that they are, are, uh, have sinned and they're in this sinful condition, God doesn't want them to eat from the tree of life uh, and live forever in that sinful condition. Yeah. Um, he wants to make, he knows that they'll die and that he has another promise for them. Yeah. And so he, uh, by his grace... Uh, he drives them out of the garden, away from that tree. He even puts a cherubim in front of it with a flaming sword so that they can't go back to it and eat from that tree mm-hmm. uh, because God didn't want them to to live forever in that sinful condition. I got one for you too.
0: The very first time anything dies, it dies at the hand of God. Yeah. God kills his own creation to create clothing from Adam, for Adam and Eve. Yeah. And you see this this example of the very first animal sacrifice to benefit mankind, starts with God in the Garden of Eden, that he destroys something furry and gives its fur to the man and woman, as or skin to the man and woman as clothing. Uh, and that, in that, is this beautiful image of grace that, um, what will what will evolve to become the sacrifice of the lamb to pay for the uh, to be the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the people of Israel will eventually become the sacrifice of the Lamb of God to redeem the the sins of all mankind and so you see this uh, this archetype this figure of God destroying to
1: show His goodness and His grace yeah. and His mercy. So throughout this chapter, even though there is the sin and the fall and the suffering that comes from it. Uh, God is acting in grace and love. Uh, he's reaching out to his people. He tells them the natural consequences of, of their sin, uh, but continues to, to help them, to love them, to want to establish a relationship with them, and gives them a promise um, of a Redeemer and a Savior to come. Yep. And, um, and so that's what we proclaim as God's people. And that becomes the hope of our life, even in the midst of a pandemic and even in the midst of uh, a wintry blast where the, uh, where the weather is uncomfortable at times. <laughs> and and uh, uh, we know uh, we're warmed by uh, the grace of God's love. Mm-hmm. And it's constantly there for us. And that's what he wants us to know. And he wants us to share with others. Yeah. Even in Genesis
0: 3, the worst the worst possible moment for all of humanity. God is there in his grace and his love for us. So.
1: And uh, I think we are about at the end of our time all right. here. All right. um, that's all that we have. Yeah. and uh, We'll close in prayer if you would bow your heads with me. All right. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your constant love and in the midst of the sinful decisions that we've made, uh, we thank you for coming to us. We thank you for calling to us. We thank you for searching us out even when we try to hide from you. Uh, Father, we, uh, we thank you for your promises and your blessing to forgive our sins and to continue to give us hope in the future. Uh, we thank you for the gift most of all of your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life uh, as that sacrificial lamb and uh, uh, washed away our sins. You've told us that those sins are removed as far as the east is from the west uh, we thank you for your goodness and love. We ask, Lord, that as we go into the world that you would help us to realize the purpose that you've given us, uh, the opportunities to share your hope and your love and your forgiveness and grace with those around us. And when we get caught up in sin, Lord, we ask that uh, you help us to 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 step back to confess our sin and to recognize the forgiveness and grace that you give us. Um, help us to be your people. We thank you for making us your own, and uh, as you send us out into the world again, may we be your ambassadors and stewards as we live our life for your glory. We ask it in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks for being with us. Have a great day in the Lord, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Coffee and Clergy podcast. We're glad you could join the conversation. Coffee and Clergy is a ministry of King of Kings Lutheran Church in Chesterfield, Missouri. You can watch it live on YouTube or Facebook, Wednesdays at 9.30 a.m. Central, and we post the podcast on Thursdays. For more information, check out our website at www.kokstl.org. Blessings on your day, and we'll see you next time.